Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Humanity First. Um, I'm very excited this week because our special guest is our new Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Peter Cass. It's Peter, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Well, I, I'll say on a personal note, it's wonderful to have you here. I think, you know, for the last two and a half years and before that, really, we haven't had a uh, Chief Medical Officer in the organization. And when I think about the intensity and um, of an acuity of medical need in our organization right across the board. I'm talking about both of our behavioral health programs uh, and our um, and our programs on the residential side and they have. It makes me feel a lot comfortable that we have uh, a chief medical officer overseeing uh, the the medical issues uh, relative to risk relative um, you know, to looking at the ethical side of uh, medical interventions, but also um, looking at uh, growing our business in certain places. And one of those that we've talked about on this show a lot is the substance use disorder um, treatment that we're providing for people and growing that. So I thought it would be kind of interesting for people listening to hear a little bit about uh, Dr. Cassis's journey uh, here, because everybody I think is, is um uh, interested to know about how, about how you've uh, come to this position and what kind of work you've been doing uh, over your career. So uh, for the next five minutes, Peter, I'm going to give you the floor. <laughs> yeah, right. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, well, I am uh, thrilled to have uh, have joined the the team here at BAMC. Uh, I, um, I have arrived here um, in um, in a way that sort of I think is very fitting to sort of the um, the the needs and and the vision that BMC has to serve uh, really a diverse uh, a diverse sector of uh, of the population and in uh, in the areas that we uh, we provide services. Uh, I am a family family physician by training and board certified in family medicine, uh, cut my teeth in a community community health center in a very underserved area of uh, Western Massachusetts um, in Springfield, Mass. Um, I, um, and I have really, you know, developed very early on, even before I went into medicine, a passion for, uh, for community, uh, providing uh, community service and, and community development and specifically bringing um, uh, uh, health care um, and and increase access to health healthcare services to underserved communities, um, which I think is very much aligned with what we do. And and as you mentioned, um, you know I think that we have uh, we have a very uh, a very large and very diverse and very uh, you know a a um, a population with very high uh, medical needs. Um, in the services and the, the programs that we we uh, we have at at BAMC. and there um, there is a huge opportunity I think to look at medical risk, but even sort of more importantly look at at the quality of services we provide. And I think um, as chief medical officer, we've you know I've I, I've um, certainly. Um, become more aware as I've I've uh, you know I've I've dug dug my toes in in the, the two two and a half months or so that I've been here of the opportunities to uh, to create a a, a, a um, oversight um, 
processes for providing greater oversight for um, for health services here at BAMC, both on the residential side and on the community and behavioral health side um, uh, of the of the work that we do. So. Um, so, uh, so again, you know, uh, I have a background in, in, in community health. Um, early in my career, I, uh, I started working with people who, and, and, and people's families who were, who were struggling with substance use disorders and developed an interest in my practice and in, um, in providing uh, substance use disorder treatment. Um, about 10 years ago, I made a shift in my career to uh, to really focusing primarily on uh, on addiction medicine. I uh, became board certified in addiction medicine uh, and uh, have worked over the years in, in a number of different uh, uh, areas of addiction medicine, providing direct services and in, in office-based opioid treatment, uh, prescribing um Suboxone for people who, and, and naltrexone for people struggling with opioid use disorders. Um, also uh, worked on the inpatient side um, as a medical director for medical services um, at uh, at a major psychiatric facility in Southern Vermont at the Brattleboro Retreat, where I um, I led the inpatient. Uh, uh, medical services, um, and also oversaw uh, outpatient addiction treatment, um, and um, also have worked in, in, um, in methadone um, treatment, which has really uh, increasingly become a uh, sort of the, the, the recognized gold standard for people who, uh, who are struggling with with, a, with opioid addictions, uh, largely because of the uh, the exponential growth of fentanyl um, uh, in 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 the uh, in throughout throughout the country, especially in, in New England, and and uh, what we're what we've learned is that um, although suboxone is a very buprenorphine is a very valuable treatment, um, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't work as well for some people who are using fentanyl, um, especially when they've been doing it for a long time and are using uh, the large amounts of fentanyl that we're seeing them use. Yeah, that, you know, that's a really interesting point. When I think about the history of treatment in all medicine, really, um, there are, you know, I, I think of, you know, the first generation antipsychotics, for instance, in, uh, in psychiatry that are very much eschewed because of all the side effects, you know, like tardive dyskinesia, things like that. Um, and you think, well, OK, well, we sort of parked that something new comes along, you know, like Clozeril or something like that. And yet, you know, some of those first generation um, medications are still handy um, uh, drugs for people who might um, not respond to those second generation. It's really fascinating to know that methadone is is really still around because it really did during pretty much the 90s, I think, get a reputation for the, they used to call it in Boston when I worked there, the dosing for dollars uh, with some of the providers, but uh, just proof positive that, you know, there is an array of sort of uh, tools that we can use for the treatment of people with, the, with these diseases. Uh, and it's different for everybody, right? 
Correct. Um, you know, increasingly we've recognized that we need to individualize treatment uh, for people suffering from addiction, addictive disorders. So whether it's buprenorphine or, or suboxone, whether it's methadone, whether it's naltrexone, um, you know, we really need to to understand uh, what what the needs are for the people we serve. We need to understand what's what their history is in treatment. We need to understand what other uh, substances they may or may not be using, and of course, what what other medical comorbidities they may have to really tailor treatment. And um, and we need to recognize that you know n- n- there's no one uh, one size fits all uh, solution for substance yeah. use. Um, yeah. yeah, but I think that's probably true for for all of medicine, right? And you know, yeah, right. one of one of the things that I, I was very excited about when when you came on is the, is the story that you told and how well that story sort of dovetails with what we're trying to do as an organization and actually what the health system is trying to do. You know, when you think about um, the healthcare that that the U.S. delivers, we pay an awful lot for it, and, and yet we're far down the charts in terms of uh, health outcomes uh, in spending with uh, similar uh, economic countries um, and. I think the answer to that, uh, and I'd love to talk about that a little bit, is this sort of population health approach to the health of the nation, as opposed to the encounter-based sort of approach to medicine, which really has um, has been in the ascendancy for the last 50 years. I know we're on the verge of a change, and I know we've been saying this for a long time, but the seeds of a sort of population health approach through value-based care have really been sown, I think, with with Medicare, with Medicaid, with uh, some of the big providers as well. And I think that's where we come in uh, with a very strong shout, because behavioral health has always been seen as something separate, something that you get in a different place, something that isn't necessary uh, integrated to the overall health of the individual. In a sense, in other words, we've we've been treating people by their disease as opposed to the whole person, which which can't be right. But in some ways, we've created systems that are siloed. Um, and I think the the the, the buzzwords uh, for the next decade are probably going to be. Uh, the integration of healthcare uh, and the population health of the community of the population, sorry, and 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 also um, how uh, all these diseases interact with each other in a way that we shift our payment models to uh, outcomes that are that are quality based, that are outcome measures. You have not a unique perspective, but a perspective that's very interesting because you've spent an awful lot of time in family medicine and adult medicine. You've created, you've you've got this specialty in addiction uh, medicine, which very few physicians have. Um, what do you think? Are we moving inexorably towards a different uh, a different way of approaching the social determinants of health in our communities? Are you optimistic about that? Where do you see our place in in overall healthcare going forward? Well, I'm I'm glad you raised uh, you know raised this question, and I think uh, I think I would say I'm very optimistic. Um, and as you've mentioned, you know I've had a sort of a breadth of experience um, in in healthcare, um, not only as a primary care uh, physician, but as an addiction uh, medicine physician, and um, having worked in a variety of settings from a community 
health center setting to, you know, to outpatient addiction treatment programs, both Suboxone, OTP, Methadone. Um, I worked um, in uh, in inpatient detox and residential treatment. I um, I've I've sort of seen firsthand, I would say, um, the the challenges of um, of finding the, the 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 right fit for the for for the for the right person and and because of the limitations of uh, of payment and the limitations that we see in terms of being able to uh, have the resources available to meet the meet meet the people we serve when at the at the places they need it at the time they need it where there are um, risks of people falling through the cracks, right? Mm -hmm. So to the extent that we, um, as, a, as, a, as a society, um, and you know, I think more specifically, we as an organization at BAMC can, um, can meet people where they're at, where we can bring to bear all the resources we have, both on the inpatient side and the outpatient side. Um, to address uh, people's needs along a continuum of care, um, recognizing that uh, any one person may meet us at, at a different point in time in their recovery at any time that we encounter them. I think to the extent that we can do that, uh, we're gonna be more successful in, in making uh, real change in terms of outcomes and moving sort of the dial of, of, uh, of, of uh, of what yeah, of what you've you know uh, highlighted as as changes in population health and and I think that you know value based care is a really exciting um, an exciting uh, model um, which um, allows us some freedom from traditional fee for service um, models that sort of lock us into helping in very limited ways and. Um, when you mention that, I think of you know I think of the, uh, the the recent grant that we've been awarded through a certified community-based health center that does not lock us into a fee-for-service uh, model and allows us to really think more globally about the way we uh, we uh, can deliver substance use and behavioral health services to uh, to our uh, to the people that we are already serving, um, but also to expand. Uh, to people within the BAMC family of services who may need uh, may need help with their uh, their substance use disorders, and, but also beyond that, um, in in uh, collaboration with our community partners and other stakeholders uh, regionally um, and throughout the BAMC catchment to to deliver these vital services. Yeah, I mean, that's all about collaboration. It really yeah. is the future. And, you know, I was thinking as you were talking, I've been reading a lot about this recently. And if you look at countries that have good outcomes, they spend a big portion of the healthcare pie on prevention and post-acute services. If you look at the cost of those three domains, it's a, it's acute services that are the most expensive. And, and, yet, and we put all of our resources into that. People, I mean, in Europe, European countries are, are sort of a third, a third, a third in terms of prevention and um, uh, and post-acute care. Um, that's when we can tell a story of how successful we can be. And, you know, I, I, I was thinking the other day, will we ever get to a point where a doc um, can write a prescription 
for um, housing, uh, can write a prescription for fresh fruit. You know, as we as we look at this, you know, when the, especially the people we serve in our communities, they they probably don't spend a great deal of time in the in the doctor's office. And when they do, how productive is that? If we're not able to provide those supportive services for people when they're for their social determinants of health, their housing needs, their work needs, their um, uh, all of those different things, um, do you see a time when a PCP is going to be able to write a prescription for housing? <laughs> uh, I I would hope. Um, I think uh, that that you know along the lines that you've uh, you've expressed that one day we we could or or, or that. You know, we could, and it would uh, translate into uh, into real uh, real resources. Um, you know, I think that um, there's there's um, a, a significant role for physicians to advocate for patients to make lifestyle changes, whether that's changes in diet, changes in exercise. Um, you know, um, increased social engagement, whether that's through uh, 12-step programs or it's through you know, community service. And uh, and fortunately, um, you know, the medical uh, the medical community uh, still is regarded with with a kind of esteem that people take those kinds of recommendations. Seriously, sometimes more seriously than they would from other qualified Absolutely. professionals. Absolutely. So uh, I think that we should, as a as a medical community, as a uh, uh, as an organization that that provides medical services, remember that and utilize our our prescribing providers to uh, to be thinking globally about uh, the social determinants of health. It's one of the again one of the reasons why I'm very excited about uh, our certified community-based health center uh, grant is because with that we get the resources to uh, to provide case management to do the the kind of education and prevention that uh, that uh, will I think allow us to um, to to move the dial in terms of social determinants and and hopefully uh, make the uh, the medical interventions that that we're uh, we're contemplating with with the people we serve more um, more uh, effective um, that in, in that that in that they will be tailored to the the you know more more accepted by the people we are uh, prescribing them for more tailored to their uh, life circumstances and uh, more, um, and and that that we create an environment where there's uh, a, an open communication that allows us to adjust for the needs of the the people we're we're providing the service to. Yeah, and I think the other thing, of course, that goes with that is fighting the stigma of these diseases that we're dealing with. Make it easier for people to actually reach out and say, "I need." And I think. I think we've done a lot of work. When I say we, I mean in, in, in this country, we've done a lot of work addressing some of those issues, perhaps because um, the opioid epidemic has sort of pulled back the curtain on this. This is a disease that that affects everybody. And when it's not just one part of the population, when it's everybody, I think there's more um, resources that are that are put into that. But also people are having conversations that they certainly weren't having you know, 15, maybe 20 years ago. Um, so I, I I agree, I remain confident. In the last couple of minutes that we have though, um, 
Another piece of your remit here is the residential programs that we run for people with developmental disabilities and people with serious and persistent mental illness. Now, we know that there are that the comorbidities around chronic diseases are there with this population. Um, Ramsey has a reputation for providing really high medical need. Um, how do you see your how are you going to insert yourself uh, in into that equation in terms of making sure that that kind of care is uh, is uh, you know top quality? A great question, and uh, certainly there's there's a huge need and a lot of uh, I, I would as suspect hidden um, hidden need uh, among the population of the people we serve. Uh, I think that uh, one big piece of uh, of the challenge and uh, opportunity is is uh, greater education. So, um, in my role, I hope to uh, uh, to enhance the education that we provide to staff around substance use disorders, both recognizing and navigating. Um, uh, suspected substance use um, and uh, thinking about how we uh, we help educate and uh, and provide access to the people we serve in these settings. Um, certainly I, I expect to be available for direct consult and potentially um, treatment but also coordinating care with outside providers or with our own providers um, within for instance the CCB, CCBHC. Um, uh, we are we have a growing recognition I think as a medical community as a uh, as a treatment community more globally and as a society that uh, that substance use and behavioral uh, health, uh, are inextricably linked and really have probably falsely been considered as a sort of dichot dichotomously. Um, and I think we are uniquely in a position at BAMSI to, to rethink and, and claim um, the, uh, the sort of the continuum of care that we need to consider to really treat uh, people holistically. So I think it's a great opportunity and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. And, you know, when you think about the um, about the complexity of need and, you know, and ethically what we're doing in terms of the decisions that are made by people that we we are responsible for who don't necessarily agree with our course of action. You know, I think about the whole idea of smoking, you know, is, is such an interesting one when when people are making choices. And I think I think your I think your way in on that is going to be so important in terms of treading that line be between providing great um, uh, uh, resources and healthcare to people, and also um, recognizing their choice, which I think is a thing that we we do on a daily basis here. So um, I'm very glad that you're here, Peter, Dr. Cassis. It's been great having you on the uh, on the show, and I hope that in a couple of months, maybe two or three months, you'll come back and let us know um, how you're getting on and some of the things you've seen. Well, I'd love to come back and thank you very much to both of you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you.